Today on Movie Royal, as we talk about Empire of Light, The Whale, and Babylon. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, dear as well. Movie Well Lars is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. <laughs> hello, hello. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Tis indeed. It is the season. Tis Happy the season. Holidays. Yes. You're very soulful today, Yazdi. Yes. <laughs> it's a sur- it it's always surprised. <laughs> because I'm tone deaf. No, but actually, a lot of improvement. (laughs) Have you been taking singing lessons by any chance? (laughs) How cool would that be if you were taking lessons in private? And then we say, hey, and then you just belt out a tune. That would make a great holiday movie of somebody who's tone deaf, who kind of surmounts the obstacles and becomes a great soulful singer. You could (gasps) do it like one of those sports movies, right? Yeah. (laughs) Then again, isn't Pitch Perfect... Not I really. Guess, no, no. Everybody comes with pretty Ev- good that's voice. Right, everyone, everyone shows that's what it's up called. With, yeah. But I am very bad with my voice. No, but you but sound good. I do. Yes. yes. Great that was improvement. Soulful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Velvet tones. It yes, was. Yes. So yes, it's holiday, and uh, we're feasting on all sorts of snacks. Um, once again, this episode is brought to you by every diabetes drug ever. <laughs> uh, we got Christmas crack, which um, was a gift. Was donated actually from a friend of the podcast yes his, his, mike yeah. if you're listening we are devouring the christmas crack i don't think with mike our christmas but, but shelly who designed our logo yes very very yes many years ago yes which um, to be clear is not cocaine which is had around the holidays yes <laughs> it's it's uh it's these delicious little cookies they're just delicious i mean really it's Called crack because you can't just have one piece. Yeah, I've not heard of it before, but how do we describe it? It's like a biscuit. It's like very good crackers with a bit of brittle on it. And some lovely nuts. Sliced 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 almonds. I was going to say sliced almonds. No, that's the film we're (laughs) reviewing next podcast. (laughs) But there's a salty and sweetness to it. Delicious. And then we have some chocolate orange. And then we have, we're very, very international. And then we have, what are these? Some amaretti cookies and... Yes, the what's that? Something called cream-filled biscuit sticks. Oh, actually, they're like pockies. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, they're, like they're called P-Joy. Huh? That, that sounds like P-Joy. That does sound very into. Thai. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like something Donald Trump would be in. Yeah, P Joy. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially when he's in Russia. I've never yes. seen it before. Anyway, we, we we will Instagram all of these. You better things. take a picture now before we devour before the box. Horrible right. P Joy is a horrible name. Although I do joyfully go. Yes, there is a lot of there's a lot of relief and joy. Okay, I think we are oversharing again. Joe, you have to ruin a perfectly nice snack. Snack. I just read the what's on the box. P E J O Y. How else would you it's say pejoy. that? Pajoy. 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 Yeah, Joe, you stuck another E in there. It's it's, it's Pajoy. All right. Um, even though it's a holiday episode and we're doing three movies, uh, we feel chatty today. So yeah. We're going to do. Well, none of us have got curfews. Mm, for a change, yeah. For a change, yeah. Actually, yeah. All our recording sessions are somehow squeezed in between other errands. So. Yes. 
Um, we we have the time. Yes, to enjoy to each other's company, which is nice. So uh, yes, <coughs> let's go with some streaming picks. Yep. While I'm Instagramming the P Joy. Yep. Um, I can start. You start telling us about your. Okay, so pick. my one is on Amazon Prime, and this is a fairly new movie that's come out recently. Um, probably in the last four or five months. It's called Ambulance, and mm-hmm. it stars um, Jake Gyllenhaal. And it is a Michael Bay. And basically, it's an action thriller. It's very Michael Bay, but not crazy. And it's about desperate brothers who hijack an ambulance after their heist goes awry, spiraling into the most insane escape LA has ever seen. This is like balls to the wall, crazy stunts. Um, But, you know, it's about... um, Two brothers, you know, one who's adopted, actually, Jake Gyllenhaal is um, a Caucasian who's adopted into an African-American family. So that's kind of nice and unusual. And, you know, one brother who's chosen now a straight lifestyle and the other one who's still in this kind of crime ridden um, lifestyle. And so they meet for one last heist. And of course, it all goes wrong. And that is the premise of the movie. Um, And it's great. It's just fun empty calories and if you're looking for something just super action um no brain required ambulance i thought you meant emergency no and that's what i actually thought <laughs> right. as well um i got those it, emergency is that's also right, we've spoken we, about emergency we, we emergency, emergency is also a very good movie yes yeah, yeah uh yeah I haven't seen Ambulance, but maybe I should. I'm I'm a Jake Gyllenhaal me too. completist. That's what so attracted me to it. Yes, yes, yes. But it is on. It is on Prime. So yeah. it is on Prime. Yep. Very good. My recommendation is uh, an Indian film called Delhi Belly. Great um, movie. Which people always rightly think that Indian movies are very clean and very goody-goody and nobody does anything too And singing behind bushes. Singing behind bushes and musicals and all of that. But this movie shows that once in a while, Indian cinema can be just as nasty and scatological and gross and... Progressive. Progressive. And it's it's the most fun I've had, uh, I think... uh, or one of one of the Indian movies where I've had the most fun. It's it's a quick ninety minutes, and it's a it's a caper about the wrong package get, getting into the hands of the wrong group of people, and it's nonstop. It's super fun. It just delights in bodily fluids, and I, I make it sound vulgar. It's not vulgar. It's just kind of cheeky and over the top, and it's a great, great, great drive. Yeah, I mean, it never gets worse than like the like American the stomach pie. pain scene in Bridesmaids, right? Yes, you know, there like, you go. It never yeah. gets worse than that, but it, yeah. it is really, really fun. And it has Vera Das in it, who what we forgot. are all fans of. Yes. Vera Das, V-I-R-D-A-S, we've recommended him. Great comedian. Uh, we've been lucky enough to see him live many times yes. now, and um, he is in the movie. He's in the movie and, and, he he's has very many, funny. and he has many Netflix stand-up specials as well. Yeah. But yeah, he's a very he's like the Indian Dave Chappelle, which I don't want to have that mean quite as much of a comparison, but they're very sharp and insightful comics right. with a cutting, cutting Right. And political, he sees, he yeah. sees a lot of connections that, that most people don't have. Correct. And it makes it it makes it seem like he is saying things like you know, off off the off the cuff, but it's all very well practiced. His structuring of words and sentences and how things come together is very masterful. Yeah, Delhi Bali, great Delhi great Bali recommendation. Great. So and Delhi, where is it, Yasti? Which it's on Netflix. Netflix. Delhi and Belly. So D E L H I and then B E L L Y. Delhi Belly. 
All right. I am going to recommend, thank you, by the way, for the two of you to, to help me find my pick this week. But um, Emily the Criminal, <gasps> which so stars. Good. So good. Highly underrated Aubrey Plaza. So Love Aubrey Plaza, her. I mean, she's she's got her fame, but she picks these little projects and, you know, she does the occasional, you know, SNL type thing. And, you know, we all know her from Parks and Rec. But um, as an actor, she's I find that she's never really quite got the attention that I think she deserves. And she was in a wonderful movie last year called Black Bear. Oh, which was which fantastic. Was ridiculous. Go, I mean, you know, first of all, go yes. seek out Black Bear. Um it is. It was one of my favourite movies of last year. Um, and and Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West. Which right. was phenomenal. And she was also in Little Hours. Remember yes, that? Yes, fantastic movie. And Aubrey Plaza is having quite a moment right now because she's in the second season of The White Lotus. Oh, oh. she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so okay. I, yeah, none of us have. But she's, I think a lot of people are discovering her if they hadn't from Parks and Rec, you know, because she has a major role in the second season of White Lotus. But Emily the Criminal, so, do talk. Yes, so she stars in this movie called Emily the Criminal. Um, I think it's available now on Netflix. Yes. We got it as a rental yesterday. You saw no, it in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema, yes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, directed by John Patton Ford, who I don't know. But First movie. Okay, thank mm. you. That would be why I don't know him. Thank you. Um a couple of other co-stars, but Aubrey Plaza is really the, the known name in this. And the pre- premise is, down on her luck and saddled with debt, Emily gets involved in a credit card scam that pulls her into the criminal world of L.A., ultimately leading to deadly consequences. I mean, this is a, this is a drama. It plays out um, with so many kind of little social themes. You know, Emily is somebody who, you know, she's not, a, she's not necessarily a lovable or likable character, but she, she gets herself mixed up in things and quick, things quickly, you know... Disintegrate. Disintegrate. But it, it, it has that kind of Safety Brothers feel of a movie that starts yes. to unravel into, you know, this kind of Good world call, of, yeah. Of, of it chaos. is very Safety Brothers. And then the pressure starts to build and, and you know, it, it also has those li- lovely little um, observations about poverty, about what people mm-hmm. do who get stuck in certain situations because of, yeah, of debt situations, decisions they may have made. You know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot at the moment about, you know, all of the student loan stuff and just how, how you know, buried deep under debt people become just trying to get themselves, you know, ahead in the world. And um, so, yeah. It, yeah. I, there's lots I can say about this movie, but I think the, you're absolutely right. This is because people think of Aubrey Plaza as being this particular sardonic, you know, too sarcastic. Quirky. Quirky. She al- she's always the smartest person in the room. She won't. So she has a particular persona. And in this movie, she gets to kind of flex, you know, this whole other side of her. She doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be that, you know, super smart, super clever person. And she really nails it. I She's on my list of, you know, best female performances this year. She is incredible. She's really good. And like you said, the movie, there were parts of the movie where... I, my, my heart was in my throat. I could yes. not watch because it's playing out in real time. Yeah. And she's somebody who's down on her luck. She needs the money. And she, she perhaps makes some horrible decisions, but agrees to do some illegal stuff. Hence the name of the movie. But just to, you know, just to watch her put herself in so much danger is so hard. And that's always a good sign of how much you care for that character and how well it's written and directed that you, I felt like I was with Emily. It's a great film. And it's unpredictable. I mean, we've seen these type of, you know, Safdie brother type dramas play out. This is quite thrilling, this one. Like I could not predict 
half the things that were. Ha- I was like, really? No, I mean, it it it, it does. I think it overcooks at the end. Sure, sure. You know, definitely boils over. Yeah. Uh, you know, so rather than kind of, it it goes. It's just, shy of greatness. But, but I think, like you say, the the way that the movie is constructed always makes you feel. You know, like. She has a very good rationale for making the choices she's making, even though you're like, oh, Emily, don't do that. Please yeah, don't do that. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's a super. bonus review. So. Yeah. And if, if, you, if you saw Uncut Gems and kind of felt, you know, awful for Adam yes. Sandler, it's the same thing here, I think. Maybe, maybe really just a little Really down, good but connection. Yeah. 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 Okay. So our movie picks are Rashmi, you chose. Ambulance on, on uh, Prime. Deli Belly on Netflix. And Emily the Criminal also on Netflix. Watch Emily the Criminal, guys. Yeah. yeah so do. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's then jump into the first review of the week, which is the movie Empire of Light. Yep. So I have the um, intro to that. So this is directed and written by the great Sam Mendes. And it is a drama about the power of human connection during turbulent times. It's set in an English coastal town in the early 1980s and and stars the incredible Olivia Colman and Michael Ward, who if you watched um, any of the small acts movies, it was the one about the school. He was the young boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I kept okay. thinking, where do I remember him? from he was great in that small yeah. acts um colin firth is here toby jones um tom brook tanya moody and a whole host of others um and so um much has been said about as always olivia coleman's performance as um lead actress colin firth is always incredible yazdi what do you think so this movie is a prestige film because it comes from Sam Mendes and he did 1917 and he did the Bond movie and he did, you know, all kinds of amazing films. So there's a lot of hope. Yeah. And when it was, I think when it first opened at, I don't know if it was wherever, it, at, at the film festival circuit, there was a lot of expectation that it would be one of the big players come end of the year. And after having watched the movie... I don't understand why it's not. Uh, A lot of criticism that I'm seeing from people is that they find it too overly sentimental and they think that he kind of overdoes it towards the end. That was not my experience, I have to be honest. Um, You know, there are many movies about movies this year and this is another movie about movies. It is the entire time about movies. It's set in a goddamn theater, right? In in a movie theater in London. I also love that Many directors this year, we've said this before, are making movies which are reminiscent of their own childhoods, the the place they were and who they knew. And this is Sam Mendes's, you know, when he was growing up in 1980s England, there was a theater. I think that theater still exists. Um, And it's called The Empire. It's called The Empire and hence the name The Empire of Light. So, you know, maybe it's too precious. Maybe it's all of those things people complain about it. It worked for me. I do understand why people think towards the end it goes a little off, but... um, it it really worked for me. I I uh, we can talk more, but it worked for me like a hundred bucks. Joe, yeah, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it did for me as well. You know, uh, I I think we discussed on our podcast how you had various feelings about the movie Belfast, for example, last mm-hmm. year. Another one of those with a, a, a director who um, you know went back to what they knew and created this sense of nostalgia. Mendes totally nailed the 1980s Britain mm-hmm. feeling. Um, you know, th- these are the years that I grew up, and even though I didn't necessarily have 
um, the specific experiences of the of the, the, the characters in the movie. Uh, I I recognized I I could smell the the damp musty theater. I could see and um, you know that was the cinemas that I went to. They, they, they were just like that. And it, it it is a love letter to film. You know, Rashmi will have some very I'm sure specific comments and observations. Um, as a movie, I mean, it works very well. I I do think that this movie should have affected me a bit more emotionally. I think mm. like. Um, you, you know, like a couple of other movies uh, of this ilk, they it feels like all of there's a lot of energy put into getting everything to look and feel and sound just right, and it did. But the movie, I, I felt a, a kind of an odd distance to some of its more emotional moments. Um, I, I think, um, yeah. I'll, I'll just say it, it didn't quite affect me as I think it should have given some of the subject matter on hand but boy does Olivia Coleman deliver a top-notch performance we expect nothing less from her really but um, you know this is up there with anything that she's done I love this movie I'll say it right out um, yeah Joe I I was transported to being a six-year-old so for those of you who don't know uh, my love of movie has been in my blood since I was born. My father, um, back in the UK, used to run um, some cinemas on the weekend. And so um, often on a weekend, we would go to the cinema and we would be like, help clean up and we would watch movies all through the weekend. And one of those trips when I was about six years old, uh, my father took me up to the projection room. And there is a, a scene in the movie where um, in the Stephen, room. the character, is taken up to the projection room. And I was transported to being that six-year-old little girl, fascinated with all the equipment and how film works and how projectors work and that little light and how it's all upside down and blah, blah, blah. So I agree with you. The production is phenomenal and you are truly transported back to the 1980s and not in a cliche way, right? Like not in the big hair, leg warmers, you know, uh, punk rockers, spandex yeah. type era, but truly that how it felt to be in, in the 80, 1980s in the UK. The performances are phenomenal. And I agree with you, Joe. I think there's something missing. It's a phenomenal movie and Olivia Colman is amazing and Michael Ward is amazing and Colin Firth is amazing and, amazing, and Toby Jones. They're all incredible. Even the, the supporting cast who are like people who work in the cinema, this could almost be like a stage play in some ways. It's written they're like all, one. Yeah, they're yeah. all phenomenal. But there was something a little bit distant about those really emotive moments. There are some really big highs and there are some really low lows. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be, I think I wanted to be crying at the end of the really low lows and it didn't quite get me there. It didn't quite pull on my heartstrings. And I think maybe it, it went for too much of the punch at the towards the end. So in doing that kind of sucker punch, it forgot that it needed to be a little bit more emotional to balance out the movie, I think. But overall, it's a really interesting story. It reminded me, and, and that, that friendship between, you know, a young black guy and an older English woman. You know, we saw a little bit of that in um, Goodbye, Leo Grand. And it, but it didn't get as cheesy as that for me. So it, it, it felt like it worked. It, it felt authentic. Um, yeah. So overall, this is, I would say this is a must see movie about 
if you are interested in movie and film, this is a really, really good movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, over his career, Sam Mendes has worked a lot with Roger Deakins, his cinematographer, and here he's again. Joe picked it up immediately. I, I didn't even have to, I didn't know who was at the helm other than as soon as the credit rolls, I was like, where is the cinematographer? Because I think this is Deacon's work. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's, it's just, immaculately shot. It's magical. It's beautiful. beautiful. And it's not magical like, you know, little imps and little fairies magical. It just feels very authentic and real. But it's yeah. it's bathed with a lot of attention and a lot of like uh, wistfulness yes. in the way yeah. it's shot. This movie is very carefully lit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, very carefully lit. Not yeah. something that I normally notice except when it's exceptionally done. And here there was just something about the way that it was, it was put together compositionally. Just oh, wow. And not just that for me. Sorry, yes. Just, but the other thing I don't normally notice is music and musically my God, this is just, it just like, it just takes your breath away. The music was phenomenal. It's the Nine Inch Nails. They've been doing a lot yes. of Trent Reznor and Atticus yes, Ross. They started exactly. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe this was the, this was Nine Inch Nails. The music was phenomenal. Sorry, Yazdi. No, 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 that's fine. I, yeah, so the music is also very, very good. And I think if, if we are to kind of hone in on, I mean, this movie is, Maybe we are the exceptions. This movie is forty-five percent on the tomato meter. 45%. Yeah, that's a lie. So that's I don't, terrible. I don't get that. And, and but wait, my, what? Yeah, but my here's my thing. I think <gasps> that, I think it it touches on a few things, which maybe you think that Sam Mendes is overreaching. So the movie does speak about mental health. The movie speaks about racism. There were some scenes in here. I was like, this is set in nineteen eighties London, and but it really, was like that. It was like that. It, it was, was so like bad. That. Yeah. It was like that. It was that. so bad. So yeah. I, was, I was surprised. But, and I think her character, uh, Olivia Colman's character, kind of reminded me a little bit like her character from The Lost Daughter. I mean, she's, she's kind of prickly, initially yes. at least. Um, and her kind of thawing and kind of, not, not necessarily thawing, but her getting around to building an authentic relationship with somebody you know, you would not think about. I think it, it happens very nicely. It's very believable. And I, I do like movies about two people who have nothing in common who come together and somehow make help each other out and they didn't know they needed each other's friendship, blah, blah, blah. But it, it kind of worked for me. I think the mental health piece maybe is maybe the one where he maybe has too heavy a hand because there are a few low lows there which kind of get a little shrill. But... Again, I, I went along and I'm, it's only when I started reading other people's reviews that I'm like, why are people having a problem with this? And mm. it seems like people feel, oh, he's overdoing it. Go on. And I, I was going to say, I mean, I think there's some aspects of it which are a little underwritten, right? We don't, we don't get to where we need to, uh, you know, via some sort of a, a slope. We kind of just arrive there, bang. And so we never, we never quite go on that journey. I, w- I mean, I w- it's telegraphed. Sure, but I don't think it's developed enough. Correct. And so I think when, when we get hit with it, it's a little jarring. Yeah. And, and so you know, I can see why people might have a problem with that. But interestingly, when you mentioned the Rotten Tomato score yesterday, and I always call this out when I see it, but audiences seem to like this a lot more than critics. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm with the audience this time. Me too. Because you're right. You can pick apart this movie critically if you really want to nitpick and, and, and say, you know, all the kind of things that, I'm, that we're, we're saying here. But... But we're saying it from a place of love 
because I think we, we, we responded really well to the movie. And I think, you know, ultimately you kind of have to say, does a movie work or not? Yeah, you know, the riot scene, um, you know, the whole racism mm -hmm. stuff, you know, it, it felt a little bit, you know, you know, when a small movie doesn't quite have a budget to have, you know, a huge riot scene and you see people with signs going, you know, you know, down with this, down with it. Didn't feel it was effective. Um, it scared it, me. It was, it was, and and look, but, that's how it was. No, no, but I'm saying as a movie, sure, right, that, that right, scene, sure. that scene, technically, right. Yeah, there was no build up to it, and it, 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 you know, its power, I think, could have been, you know, with more of a sense of immediate danger rather than, you know, you know, you know, it's like suddenly, you know, the shark arrives and and starts, you know, yeah, that's true. Starts frenzying. It's like again. It's, it feels a little underwritten if you want to nitpick, but doesn't yeah. mean it's not effective. Yeah. I think that's, that's it also is a, for, it, it's two hours long, right? And it doesn't drag. Yeah, it seemed very at, efficient. At, at all. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think it, it could have been a much longer movie to explore some yeah. things more deeply, but you know, I think he decided to keep it compact and tight so it, that it doesn't, weigh itself down under the uh, uh, under so it's it's a difficult he's, he's, he's throwing in a lot of things yeah. yeah the other thing which was interesting to me is Colin Firth you know I've never seen him be just awful in a movie before maybe he has been <laughs> maybe he's been awful in other movies like not like awful as an actor yeah, Car no 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 not gonna... awful as an actor no he's brilliant as an actor but he's just a snake he's all like he's <laughs> he a really terrible is, person yeah. And he conveys that so effectively. I didn't He's think, a great actor. I didn't think he had it in him to to be that nasty, and he he really brought the game on. <laughs> and then I was thinking, you know, ultimately the movie lives and dies by Olivia Coleman. And I think, you know, Olivia Coleman never makes you think like she has. You know, she kind of burst into the scene like a few years ago. We we don't have a decade of seeing her like Meryl Streep or somebody else, but you don't see her ever like very obviously acting like you might Meryl Streep you know there's there is an effortlessness about her and at the same time she doesn't have the technical precision of like somebody like Kate Blanchett but somehow she is so effective without saying much you know it's all in the face her this expressions movie, her expressions her expressions are unbelievable we actually stopped uh we were lucky enough to have one of the screeners and were able to watch it at home and we literally paused at one point because yeah. the expression on her face conveyed so much without words. I mean, that's why you cast Olivia Coleman, right? I think, I think one of you were just about to make the point. I'm a little worried that that crazy piece is getting a little bit overplayed when you think about the, um, uh, the favorite and you think about, yeah, lost daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm worried she's going to get a little bit typecast. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but, still, uh, but I, I mean, can't fault her. She's yeah. incredible. I would definitely be nominating her yeah. for best best um, female performance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, scores. Yazdi. Uh, very easy and very stingy. Eight out of ten for me. Um, you know, I, as I was watching the movie, and I'm not giving anything away, I, you know, it was, it was kind of spiraling, you know, and it was kind of hard to watch because, you know, the lows were very low. And I was like, Can, is this movie going to dare to be hopeful? And... I was very happy to know that the movie does in its own way kind of be hopeful and it's kind of making the case that ultimately movies might be a salve, you know, to what ails us in life, mm -hmm. that they might bring us all in a darkened theater and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's, it's kind of making a plea for kindness and making a plea for 
us being better. And, and maybe that sounds super sappy to people, but for me, that all worked. So very well-deserved, eight out of 10. Uh, you know, flowers to all of them. Joe? Uh, this is going to sound really Scroogey Scrooge, but it's a seven for me. Um, I admired the movie a lot, and there's so much to, to love and, and enjoy. You know, it's, it's not going to stay with me, right? This isn't going to make um, my list of top 10 for the end of the year it's a very handsome movie with immaculate performances and i i just don't understand why critically it's doing as poor as it is because it, it's it's fabulous so it's a stingy seven and know that that's possibly the stingiest seven i've ever Ooh. given i mean you know but that's that's where i sit and i will compensate with another eight then so um for me this this was delightful and not delightful in the like oh happy happy joy joy sense but just an incredible movie, like you said, Yazdi, about two people who don't know they need each other and just where you find solace and that everyone's going through their own journey in life. And, you know, it's important to kind of peek behind that curtain and ask people how they feel. Yeah. I loved and, it. And it we didn't beautiful. even talk about Michael Ward. You know, he's kind of in that same role as Daryl Mc Cormack, you know, from Leo Grand. But he, you know, he's kind of a device almost. Yeah. But he, this, I, I, like, I haven't seen this actor before and he was splendid. I thought he was. He was in Small Axe. Oh, maybe I he don't know. He's the remember. little kid in Small Axe yeah, in the little, in the school one. He was, yeah. Yeah. Very, very Michael good. Ward is very good. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, he holds his own. Yes. Yeah. He's able to hold his own with Olivia Coleman. So yeah. a good movie about movies. If, yeah. If you like movies about movies, you have to see this. Yeah. Have to. Okay. <laughs> the next movie we're going to talk about is The Whale. So, okay. Yasti, I think so, you're giving uh, us the backgrounder. I am. So, uh, Darren Aronofsky kind of burst onto the screen with the movie Pi, and since then he's made a lot of movies. Uh, the Fountain, uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream, most recently Mother. Bing! Uh, Mother, <laughs> yes, <laughs> with the exclamation point. Um, and uh, this is his latest movie. He, of course, also, you know... Uh, was responsible for Natalie Portman getting an Academy Award for Best Actress in... Um, Swan. Swan. Black, Black Swan. Swan. Black Swan, yeah. yeah. So this is the latest from uh, Darren Aronofsky. And uh, I think he likes to kind of do kind of comeback things because he uh, gives the, the lead role to Brendan Fraser, who we haven't seen in a while, or at least seen a lot of in a while, and kind of uh, just like he did with uh, Mickey Rooney with the wrestler. That's right. Yeah, uh, you know he's he's giving like a, a lead, you know, role to Mickey. Ar Mick, no, 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 Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Rock, Mickey Rock, Mickey Rock, Mickey Rooney. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I haven't seen this. I know the both of you uh, saw it, but it's uh, based on a screenplay by Samuel D. Hunter. Um, and it stars Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, and Ty Simpkins. And the one-line synopsis is that a reclusive English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. And I understand most of this movie is shot in an apartment, and it deals with uh, a man who is obese and is very large and cannot move around. And uh, the movie consists of people who come and interact with him over the course of a week. So uh, you guys have seen it? Go ahead. I was going to say, you haven't seen it. I have not. Okay, because then I will retract the slap I was about to give you Ooh, for missing Hong Chow from the oh, list Hong of um, the cast and crew. Because the first thing I want to say about the movie is um, she gets my best supporting mm. nomination for a female 
actor uh, for her role in this movie. I mean, she plays she the nurse. Is, yeah. Oh, she yeah. is remarkable in this. We're talking about Olivia Coleman's performance. Um, this is just a very natural, very believable, um, troubled, um, loving. Just, a, just a, 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 so. First and foremost, Hong Chao, just you know, on my list. And if I may interrupt, Hong Chao. If you want to see how versatile she was, she has an amazing role in the menu. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. She played Elsa, this, you know, hard yes. as nails, right hand man to the, yes. to the chef. So yes. she's, yeah, she's yeah. pretty good. Go on. She's <laughs> terrific in this. Uh, okay. So I'll first state my position with Darren Aronofsky. Um, he's more hit than miss for me, although he's not universally, um, you know, uh, I don't love everything. Not quite Guillermo del Toro for Joe. However, you know, Mother, which was his last movie, I think was possibly the funniest movie of that year, even though so it's not comedy. Yes. Um, it, it's a movie that I, I just, it was, it was just chaos. It was like the Muppet show and it had so many other things to say that it didn't really say, but um, yeah. So he's more hit than miss. And it, this is another really engaging movie by, by Darren Ar Aronofsky for me. Um, it, it, you know what I'll say is he's quite judgy in in this, right? So the the, the character, the whale, um, you know, is um, played by Brendan Fraser, and is, is somebody who has you know obesity, but it's never looked upon with kind of you know sympathy. He's always to me um, a really difficult character to 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 kind of bond with and, and like. Uh, and Aronofsky, I think, is a little judgy of of him as as maybe he's you know. As maybe is int intending to be here. I mean, even the name, the whale, um, is a metaphorical reference in the movie. But you know, this yeah. is about somebody who is literally yeah. dying um, through morbid obesity, and then has behaviours and things that he does within the movie that are self-destructive. But I couldn't help escape the judginess. That said, um, and I'll stop here just to let Rashmi chime in. Uh, I've got a lot of other thoughts about the movie, but you know, I will say that Frazier is also, you know, he's fantastic in this movie. Um, it's it's a very, you know, it's a brave and it's a very bold performance. You know, it, there's nothing vanity free. Well, it's not about vanity free. I mean, he's he's you know under heavyweight prosthetic makeup, prosthetic makeup, but it's there's nothing. Yeah, you know, this this character is is really. Um, He's he's just so full on in the movie, right? It's 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 one of those loud performances that requires an actor to stretch themselves in ways that I don't know that many many movies call for, and and he he just he he's del he delivers he he really does. It's it's a phenomenal performance, and it it would it could so easily be over performance, and it kind of is, but it works within its context, and Aronofsky does that so well. Write, write the Oscar for Brendan Fraser already. I mean, wow. yeah, I have not seen a better male performance. And sure, I think he is under the weight, the physical weight of this prosthetic fat suit, whatever they did to do it. But look, I've known people who are morbidly obese and very sick and they are their own worst enemy. And from that perspective, I think this is such an incredible movie in capturing that battle, that ongoing war that someone who is so sick has with themselves. And, 
you know, if you've ever watched like my 600 pound life, it's never just about the eating things, right? These are people who are emotionally sick. And so I think it conveys that battle of emotional sickness and physical sickness really, really well. Yes. And then, and then is it Sadie Sink who plays mm-hmm. his daughter? Mm-hmm. My God, she's incredible. This is a young performer who is just such a hateful, as you would imagine, daughter of this person and, and the way it's written into the story. This, this is an excellent movie. I mean, it's it's running at 64% on the Tomatometer. Again, I can't understand why. Um, this is incredible. I, I was really, this really got me. This movie really got me. I actually, like I was crying in certain moments. And again, like I said, I think if you've known people in this situation or you know anyone who's sick and just doesn't take care of themselves, it, it really captures that so well. And yeah. then the enablers and the and the and the structure around them and oh it just In in scanning through a few of the comments here and especially the negative ones, I think what I was saying about the judginess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this this movie doesn't pull any punches in in terms of uh, how it portrays its character and i th- i, I want to say that it's 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 a politically incorrect if you know the, right we we expect the the story to be a bit more sympathetic but you you nailed it rashmi when you said you know the emotional dysfunction as well as the physical dysfunction yeah and so when we see the character doing um destructive things we're not used to seeing that um in a way that is as as kind of real and as subtle as the way this movie does it right but so i think there's no redemption um there's no redemptive moment in the movie where a lot of people go into movies to see that journey right the person come out at the other end sure and, and you know this doesn't give us that satisfaction of that we, we we see this this person just you know unravel constantly through through the movie's course i won't say how it ends but my, my point is i think it's not it's not as sympathetic uh, you know a, a movie as most movies are about somebody with a disorder sure right it's judging him it's looking at him in a very real way this is a very multi-dimensional character with with many redeeming qualities but also some extraordinarily broken um, aspects. yeah and that's what i loved about it i love that it didn't pull any punches and i love that it looks at him like we would look at him and again i'll go back to if you've ever known anyone who is morbidly obese or has some you know long-term illness that they are their their own worst enemy then this is exactly how you feel about them so i didn't know but the script writer for this movie is somebody who kind of was trying very hard to connect with a younger person while he was self-medicating through food so mm. it's it's a it's probably a very lived-in experience because yeah. they were and maybe because they're writing about themselves they can afford to be you know maybe too honest yeah, and I believe it's based on a play. Is it based, yes, it's on, a based play? on a play? Yes. Yeah, so you can see that it, it it's set in one one yeah. room and one area. So that that worked really well. It just worked really really well for me. I I love this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. I my here's my only criticism, which is why I won't give it a ten. Oh. Um, is I wish it had finished twenty seconds earlier. 
That's all I'll say. But I wish it had finished 20 seconds earlier. I think that's all you needed to say. Yeah. 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 I, I can sum this one up. This is easily a nine out of 10 for me. Wow. This really got under my skin. I really connected with the character. I love the story. I love that it didn't pull any punches. It's so real. It's so unforgiving. Each person is is cast with as much despicability as the next. There's and equal it's an equal opportunity hater of all people in the movie. But it also gives you insight into why they into are the why, way they correct. Are. Correct. In, including the peripheral characters, right? Correct. They, they all it has that play type um, characteristic where everyone gets to breathe enough that you kind of yeah. see 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 where they're coming from, right? You understand everyone in this movie, and um, yeah, I'm I'm going to settle with an eight, which is oh, again kind of being bar humbug today. I yeah, don't know why? But because it's the um, holiday season. <laughs> um, just because I think. It, it's it's a difficult movie to recommend universally. I mean, it's 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 relentless, right? It's relentless in its depictions of of the character and and as as we kind of see as we as, as we watch the journey, it's it's horrific in many ways, you know. And I'll, I'll liken it to Mother simply because Mother had that relentlessness about it, the pacing, which mm-hmm. just got more and more intense the further you got into I mean, it starts off intense, right? But then the, the further you get in, and Black Swan did this too, mm-hmm. the further you get in, it just builds this huge, you know, crescendo of like, you know, things that are just going on in its world and, and where the character is and, and you know, it, it's... It's hard work. Yeah, it's so, far superior than. Um, but that, that's why than, uh, mother? mother for me. But that, that that's why I'm landing it on an eight. Yeah, because I think it's hard to me for me. It's really this is a movie that I'm, I'm going to say. Look, you know, watch it. But I can't say to everyone you'll love it. And this isn't a holiday movie, right? This isn't a hey, let's watch this after dinner on Christmas Day. No. Yeah. Yeah. This is not one of those. But go see it. I mean, yeah, 67% is, and Tomatometer does not give, do this. Yeah. Go see it just for Brendan Fraser's performance and, and Sadie Sink but, and, yeah. and Hong Chow. Hong Chow is possible. Pros- and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to lie here in uh, or overstate this, but she's top of my best supporting actor list yeah. For, yeah. for this year. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a performance that has struck me. Has struck so many of the right notes, but has just impacted me. I was like, "What is she doing here?" Yeah. Oh wow, it's amazing work. Moving on, then let's wrap up today's podcast with Babylon. So Babylon is the latest movie from uh, the the controversial like him or love him or hate him Damien Ch- Damien Chazelle who directed movies such as uh, La La Land. Um, he did Whiplash. Uh, gosh, what else is Ch- Chazelle First Well, Man. wrote, right? He's done a lot more writing. He directed Whiplash, First yeah. Man. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane, he wrote. And, you know, he, he is a very, um, you know, he's a director of a certain type. Uh, La La Land was, I found, insufferable. Yeah, Whiplash. Uh, Yazdi found insufferable. And I found... Um, Loved. Loved know, unmissable, unmissable. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely <laughs> go ahead. Yes. I, no, I didn't find it insufferable. I just, yeah. Well, was, okay. Yeah. But you, you had a very strong, I had reaction a very strong, it, it is insufferable. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Um, 
Everyone is in this movie. Um, I don't. I, I mean, this is silly. Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Gene Smart, uh, Lee Jun Lee, uh, Lucas Haas, Olivia Hamilton, Tobey Maguire. Wow. Um, and the list just goes on. Olivia Wilde, Spike Jones. All, uh, yeah. Just they're all here. You know, they they all want to get in on the Damien Chazelle, uh, you know, train. Um, the Basic premise here on Rotten Tomatoes is a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. Babylon traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. And what I'll say is I've only seen the trailer for this, but I was left exhausted by it. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that I thought, uh, you know, I, I'm the, the, the movie is, I mean... I, I don't I couldn't get through the trailer. <laughs> Same. Its, I can't stand Margot Margot yeah. Robbie and this was more Margot Robbie in the trailer than I could even so, stomach. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah so, so a lot of Margot. Yazdi, were we wrong to miss the screening? Well we were busy too. Yeah, we had a conflict that was too bad, but um yeah. Tell us about Should Babylon. we rush out and see this one? Uh, not rush out, but I think you should go and see it. I dislike it with a vengeance, but I think people should <laughs> People should people should see it because I think no matter how you dislike with a vengeance, I don't think I've heard you say that. <laughs> well, maybe that's harsh, but I listen. There is no question. This is a work of staggering ambition. This is a three hours and eight minute long oh, movie. Oh God! Right? It's a very long movie. Good Lord! And you real? I mean, I was like, where is this movie going? It's where is it going? Because. It is, is it just like scene after scene after scene with no connection? Never, no, 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 there is connection, but it does not stop for one second. It's just in a state of, you know, like Baz Luhrmann, like, I don't know if yeah, you saw Baz Elvis. Luhrmann. Like, it's the whole thing is like a frenetic video which won't stop. It's like party on top of party and people doing crazy things on top of it. And then I'm like, what is he trying to say? And then in the last half hour, I realized, okay, this is what he was trying to say. And I, I don't want to give it away, but maybe I will. In his scope of this movie is nothing less than the history of entire frigging Hollywood. Oh. He wants to talk about Hollywood from the 1920s all the way to 2020. That's a big, big, you know, <laughs> there's no shovel big enough <laughs> to take that <laughs> to take the dirt. And and you know some some directors can pull it off, but. It doesn't stop him from trying. It's really a work of staggering ambition. I mean, he has used no CGI. It starts in the 1920s. Uh, the kinds of things he stages, it's just jaw-dropping because, you know, it, it truly seems like decadence in terms of what people were doing at that time. I have since realized that the Margot Ro Robbie character is based on Clara Bow, who was, a you know, she was, before the talkies even, she was this actress who kind of, pretty much elbowed her way into into Hollywood with sheer grit. And she was ahead of her time and she had numerous affairs and she was into drugs, but she also just literally danced her way into Hollywood by she could not be denied. And Margot Robbie kind of plays that character. Is that, isn't that, that's not so different to the character she played in... Um, Once Upon a Time? Yeah, Once Upon a Time. Uh, no, well, that was... I mean... Kind was, of, but this one... You know, and, and it, it goes over at least a couple decades. Uh, so it's, again, a work of so much ambition. And, you know, Damien Chazelle is nothing if not obsessive. He just obsesses about everything. And there are scenes which come back. 
I can't even begin to explain to you what the last 20 minutes of the movie are. They have to be seen to be believed. It's, I was like, I cannot believe this is what I'm seeing on the screen. He, it, and again, I'm not giving anything away. It's, the last 20 minutes is a trance. It's, it's a meditation on cinema in the last 100 years, where clips of movies come and go, splotches of colors come, and it's kaleidoscopes, and there's colors mixing in water. It's, it's, like, it's like you're high on movies. And I, he's just, mm. he's swinging. He's really swinging as, as deep and as far as he can. I don't think he succeeds. I don't think it works, but I commend anybody for doing it. I I worry about this movie. I I hope it doesn't tank because so much effort has gone into it. Is it singy dancey? It looks so exhaustingly well, singy dancey to me. It, yeah, not go on. I was gonna say. I mean, to, to me, from the trailer, it looks like La La Land got blended with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, and half a pound of amphetamine. <laughs> yeah, maybe, and, and you know, there's very it's like clear, quite a smoothie. <laughs> one of one of our uh, one of our reviewers, uh, you know, who is with us, Jay. I was speaking with him afterwards, and he was saying this movie reminds me of Boogie Nights because Boogie Nights oh, yeah. was about you know LA in a certain yeah. time, and it all the way when porn was flourishing, yeah, all yeah, the way yeah. up to the advent of VHS. So he's doing something very similar. He is. He actually, the whole, the first half of the movie goes through the transition of movies from, um, uh, from uh, silent, from silent movies to talkies. Mm. Um, so he, the scope is just ginormous. Um, and you know, I, I will say this: the three hours went by very quickly. I did not, you know, maybe there was one time I looked at my watch, but it just goes by, and it has amazing cameos. There is this, there's, you know. What's his name? Toby Maguire is in a movie. It is like for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes in the movie. But that's something that, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino might have put together. It's it's like a descent into hell and out of it. And so, you know, I, I, again, I, I, what I'm saying sounds bizarre to you. And that's why, that's why I think people should see it to experience it. Because, um, you know, I just thought that you shouldn't bite off more than you can chew and he is biting off like he's like 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 a you know i don't know like a lion at a feast he's just chomping away at everything i will give you this i don't know when are we going to when are we going to admit that brad pitt is just a phenomenal presence we should be grateful we are living mm. at a time when brad pitt is making movies he doesn't have the main role but he's there through most of the film and Maybe it's how it's been written. Maybe it's his story arc. But he is just cannot be denied. He's so good here. But he just recently, and, and I agree with you, he's good. But he just feels like he's character acting. And which when I saw the, the trailer, sure. But when even when I looked at the trailer, I just thought there's like some mania to him. Well, it plays. feels like a lot of the roles he's playing are very manic. If you think about Bullet Train... Well, like there's a level of mania, this one not, is not, uh, not like gentle acting anymore. There isn't, I don't think. Or there is the isn't film much is mani just mania. There is, the film is mania, but his character is not mania. Okay. He's, he's one of these reliable, you know, film actors mm -hmm. who kind of was like, I don't know, a Cary Grant or one of those, you know. Sure. You know, who just had his faults, but, you know, he was, he was generally well-meaning. Yeah. And, and, you know, the one thing the film makes the case for is when you're, you know, 
nobody in cinema is going to be loved forever. Your time will come and your time will go. And, you know, that's the nature of it. You cannot be eternally loved. And I think all, all of their characters kind of are trying to make that point. But I just, I was frustrated. I'm like, what are you doing? This is so much hubris. You really think you can make a movie about all of Hollywood? And I'm just going to say one other thing and I'll shut up. Of all the movies in cinema, there are a few that I like more. I think if I have to make a list of like the top five movies ever, by, by a huge margin, my favorite musical of all time is Singing in the Rain. This movie borrows from Singing in the Rain. The last 10 minutes of the movie has entire clips from Singing in the Rain. And I kind of felt like Paramount or MGM just gave him free access. Use what you want from this sure. sacred movie. And I felt, don't sully sacred in the, <laughs> Singing in the Rain. Just leave that movie alone. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, Singing in the Rain famously is about the transition of, yes. you know, from, from the silent to the talkies and this. this Like the artist. <laughs> Like the artist also. And so it kind of borrows on that as well. Oh, there's also the, the main actor in the movie is this unknown Mexican actor called Diego Calvera. And he's, I think he's the lead in the Whose movie. His name I skipped over. Apologies, Diego. Yes, uh, he is very, very good. And he kind of is the backbone of the whole film, I think. And, you know, pretty, pretty heavy lifting. Margot Robbie gives it her own. I kind of felt bad because she's ultimately reduced to this manic pixie crazy you know person who's so self-destructive kind of you know she's done people have done this stuff it's an over-the-top type role so the movie is too much it's too too much seven out of ten and i would have given it a five Gosh, but i was gonna seven, say that's a big score yes seven or? because i i bow at the ambition of it and i bow at what he's accomplished nobody can see this movie and think that they phoned it in nobody has phoned but, it in it's so but as you said at the beginning, it's a seven with a recommendation, right? It's a, it's a second, it's a seven with a go see this. Again, it's a movie about movies. We have talked about, it is the entire, every minute of this movie is about movies. So if, <laughs> if you like, you know, movies, then, you know, you should see it. But doesn't it get exhausting, Yasti? I kind of feel like when a movie has to splice in other movies and reference them and... I mean, oh, it just becomes exhausting. We saw it with Hail Caesar. That did it. That did it. Oh, but Hail Caesar that was beautiful. Was so but what I was saying was that was beautiful, right? It was contained and funny, and it had an original storyline. Which I didn't care for. Yeah, which you didn't care for. Yeah, that's true. But when it becomes about all these other clips, I just worry like you're well, so maybe, reliant on. Well, maybe I'm sensitive feeling. about because I feel very protective of. Yeah, yeah. It's overwrought. It's too loud. It's too broad. You know, it's like, it's this helium voice. It's always shrieking. There is no, like, you know, when, when something can be done with one slap, he has to have five slaps. Right? Yeah. So the thing is, there's some <laughs> scenes which are like, you're playing this so broad. You're playing this for whom? I don't know, you know, for, for the rafters. I don't know, but... And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's truth. Maybe I'm uninformed because people used to die, apparently, while making films, you know, sure. because accidents would happen. And, you know, there's there was no OSHA. <laughs> there was no OSHA. So there's a lot of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm torn about this it's because it sound. didn't work for me at all. But I, I admire it tremendously. I just, I mean, I just, it sounds Margot like Robbie such hard just work. really annoys me. I just feel like oh, no. she's constantly in this state no, no. of being su in like the suicide squad. She's constantly that. What, what's but that's the, why she gets hired. Yeah, I know. But yeah. she's always like in a state of undress and 
She was Mania. excellent in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was very good, yeah. She I, she was floaty and, and fairly quiet in that movie. I mean, it wasn't a squeaky loud Margot Robbie performance. I mean, look, she, she was introduced to the world in Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yeah. And I don't think she's ever shaken that kind of um, Barbie doll type image, right? She's next in the film Barbie. Yeah, and she's next in the film Barbie by Greta Gerwig. I think she, you know, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I, you know, I love Barbie, and I'm so scared. Like, I'm a big I don't Barbie think, fan. I don't think it's a Barbie movie. I think it's it's a movie about Barbie, Barbie, which is a satire on everything about how we live today. So I don't think it's about a cute Barbie goes, you know. I know, which I'm really sad because I love, you know, I am a diehard Barbie right. fan. So is Greta Gerwig, right? So yeah, well, she better not ruin it. For and look, me anyway. Mattel is yes. not going to let yes. that character come to too much damage i hope not um yeah she's um, <laughs> the ip around barbie is very i hope so very well i hope protected. so i mean i it made the, the first half hour one hour of the movie made me want to live in 1920s hollywood it was so insane apparently because there were no there were no guardrails there were right. no safety nets people right. did what they want it was you know it was, yeah, it was the money. wild west there was money to be made and you know people had there was no finger wagging. You could do what you yeah, want. Yeah, no, it's like the tech industry today, right? They're just making it all up and they're right. doing all sorts of damage. And, and oh, many no soapboxes appearing. No, it's <laughs> but no, it's early on in an yeah. industry. Um, you know, we haven't. You know, the laws, the laws and the rules and the paradigms have to get caught up. So. The other thing which, and I'll, I'll just say this: the other thing which surprised me, and I think this is Damien Chazelle writing. You know, he wants to make a movie about. The whole world, and this is his attempt. I, I, you know, I hope he, he, I hope he narrows his focus for his next one. But he imagines a Hollywood which was far more racially diverse than I think really existed. Well, I think that's something to do with the Oscar rules now. I think he wants to be nominated, and in order to get nominated, you have to have a certain number of uh, oh, a certain amount of diversity in your movie. I know, I know, but. It's a cast of thousands. I think he would meet, literally, there's like so many extras in the movie. Yeah. I think he would meet that real, but there are like five main characters that the movie follows through decades. And one of them is an African-American trumpet player. One of them is an uh, uh, Asian-American woman who is kind of exoticized in early, you know, in 1920s Hollywood because she's so unusual. Um one of them is this Mexican, is, is a guy from Mexico. He's covering know. his bases, Yasi. I'm looking and up then, the new Oscar and rules for you. And then there's Brad and, and uh, Margot Robbie. So it kind of imagines a very tolerant Hollywood. I don't think Hollywood was that open-armed in terms of people of races and so forth. And maybe maybe some of it is wishful thinking. Maybe he wishes that it was like that. So. No, it's the rules. It's actually the rules that came into play. Starting with 2024. This, this was written long. Anyway, I, mean, I know, whatever I know, it is, I, I, know. I don't think, I, I think it's just him thinking, I wish it was like this, if I had to rewrite it. so. Sure, yeah. So it, does that does that kick you out of the moment? Like, no, 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 it, no. It's, it feel it's synthetic wonderful. or? No, 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 it's wonderful. No, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the actors are great. I just wish it wasn't so overwrought and so over the top mm. and so frenetic and so hectic and so just giddying <laughs> it's like it's like being on a 
on a ride, on a roller coaster, which doesn't end. It just keeps going and going. So just so. to close the thought, it says general ensemble cast is actually one of the rules. At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic, LGBTQ, or people I with... Know. Yeah, so... So two out of those, all he needs is one, you know, one girl and one one Mexican person, but he also has an Asian person. And Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But... I think people should watch it, and they should watch it in the cinema because it's it's so grand. How, how do you do Braveheart with those rules? You can't. That's the whole point. You can't. It's fine. Well, that's why you have to be like racially yeah. racially know, look, blind I'm, these days, right? No, no, but yeah. I'm I'm just saying. I mean, there are certain I, the, the rules are well intentioned, but goodness me, um, you know. Uh, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. All right, um, <laughs> let's bring let's bring the podcast to an end. Anything else to say about the movie, Esty? Uh, um, no, there's nope. a, it's yeah. There's that many things I can say. But I'll, there's <laughs> a lot of uh, there's a lot. It, it does the um, what's his name? Uh, Mike Mike Myers. What movies did he do about the Austin spy? Powers? The spy. Who, Austin yes, Powers. So there's Austin. a lot of Austin Powers. There's so much nudity, but it's all like for one second, two seconds, and you're like, what? They were naked, and then it's gone. So I'm like, what's going on here? So it's it's kind of he's you know again he's there's a lot of is it an R thinking? Yeah, it's definitely an okay, R. Okay, it's a hard R. It's a hard R. Um, it, there's a lot of thought which has gone into this. Yeah. What was your score? Oh, seven. Seven, seven was your score. Yeah, yeah. And Marco Robbie and uh, I think Marco Robbie would, I wouldn't be opposed to her getting nominated and Best Supporting Actor, Brad Pitt. But Brad Pitt is so good. Oh, my God. All right. We, I think years from now, we are going to be thinking of the golden years of Brad Pitt right now, <laughs> 2022. Anyway. All right. We've gone over the hour, Mark, so I'm going to terminate this podcast. So, um Thank you, everyone, for listening. We always appreciate it if you get to the end of one of our podcasts. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. We will be back very soon with uh, a few more movies uh, as I try and read Rashmi's writing from across the room. <laughs> uh, My beautiful said, penmanship. Glass Onion and... Uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> the final movie on the list, Rashmi. Um, We're going to be covering a lot of films in our next episode. Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of sadness well, it's not readable about Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame it on my failing eyesight. Yes, there you go. All right. Until next time. Too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs> <laughs>